0: Presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Let's go to the BCSI hotline right now. I'm joined by my buddy, Connor O'Gara, Saturday down south. Uh, he always jams with the music when he's on the show. Good morning to you.
1: You know, actually, last night, I just watched uh, the first two episodes of the Netflix doc, This Is Pop. And I just watched the episode on Auto-Tune. Oh, and it's right? all about, like, T-Pain and stuff. And so heartless you know 808 yeah. was a subject of it and how like t-pain kind of got kanye introduced to it so i was like getting some heartless vibes again that takes me back to like freshman year of college that's a that's a throwback machine for me
0: yeah i was in my 30s thanks thanks for making me feel real old <laughs> appreciate that connor hey um so i tried to explain your column this morning but i, I think i did a, a a disservice to your great writing there when you're talking about the cupcakes with the SEC team's play, and your explanation. You went deep into the numbers. You looked at the Big Ten. You looked at everybody else and kind of massaged it. It helped us understand why it's really not that big of a deal. Kind of give us your perspective here this morning.
1: Yeah, so what I basically like looking at is, okay, the, the whole point of other conferences that bring this up, and I'm, why Cupcake Week is just the SEC trying to get a pass is trying to say that they don't have this this path to the college football playoff that others do, right? Like, that's the whole point. You schedule this game in in late November, but if you actually break it down based on the amount of Power 5 teams in the top 25 that that you've had to play, that you've had to get through, like, the Big Ten has this advantage by, I think, 0.29 top 25 teams on average that they have faced more than, you know, an SEC team. So in terms of, like, the road to get to this point, it's the same thing. And the Big Ten likes to puff its chest out and say, we play this nine game conference schedule when the Big Ten was playing an eight game conference schedule and then it switched to a nine game conference schedule. Why? Because they wanted a more attractive home package. They wanted to be able to sell to their fans. We're going to give you that one more marquee home game. And what they did was they shot themselves in the foot. And they watched their conference champion not get to the college football playoff three consecutive years after doing that. That wasn't a coincidence. The SEC has had the best formula for this entire deal. They still have a gauntlet. And you know what? If Cupcake Week is the secret to going and winning 11 or 15 national championships, I don't know, maybe other teams, should, other conferences should be doing it. That's just my thoughts.
0: Well, the Big 12 seems to have a lot of cupcakes, um, Texas being one of those, you know, yep. for, for some teams out there. You know, Kansas is able to get fat taking on Texas
1: you know and I, good for those Kansas players I see the guy getting the NIL deal with the Applebees I mean we we need a sacrificial lamb in college football why can't Texas be that and they they give Arkansas this great moment early in the season and not to take away from the Arkansas accomplishment because i mean Arkansas did, they wiped the floor with them. That wasn't just like some seven point game or something like that, but Texas needs these, these moments to prop other programs up. You know, they're really nice. They do it to programs like BYU, or they do it to Maryland, you know, whatever they could do to kind of help out these up and coming teams, make them feel like they're on that level And just remind everyone that anything is possible and resources. It it doesn't buy you everything. It certainly doesn't buy you wins in non-conference play. Texas is, well, it doesn't buy you wins in conference play either, um, (laughs) just because Kansas just proved that. Texas is doing the Lord's work right now by continuing to lose these games that they should be winning. That
0: smoke's coming your way on social media here in a little bit, Connor. (laughs) Hey, uh, I saw that you gave some love to our guy, Antonio Johnson. He is a guy. I think you used the term Swiss Army knife in the in the column there. He really does it all, and, and we have an Anaya Smith on the offensive side that does that. But on the defensive side, it is it has certainly been Antonio Johnson.
1: I love the way that Mike Elko uses him. He will use him. He'll line him up in the line of scrimmage. He'll he'll play them kind of in that, that nickel spot. He's not afraid to send him on blitzes. The, there's always that that conversation in, in basketball about like the non-dunk, the great almost dunk that happens or something like that. And a lot of people like to bring that up with certain people. When I think of Antonio Johnson, I think of that play where he was rushing off. It would have been Bo Nix's blindside and he was coming off the blindside and it looked like he was going to take his head off, <laughs> but the play was whistled dead. And Gary Danielson even said something on the broadcast about it of like, I think Antonio Johnson was going to take Bo Nix's head off. And I was like, I had the exact same thought. That's the type of thing that he is capable of. And he can do so many different things for defense. What what a, a revelation he has been. Kind of filling in that that all you know that that all hands on deck type of type of role for for that group and I know they're going to lose so many guys to the NFL next year but I, I was I was trying to think of the the guys in the SEC coming back on the defensive side who would I would say yeah they're probably better than Antonio Johnson and I I came up with two it's Will Anderson it's Jalen Carter and then other than that then that's just among the guys we know aren't draft eligible yet we'll kind of wait and see who takes advantage of the extra year of eligibility that 2020 granted. But the guy has just been a machine, and he's been so, so good. And I hope to be able to see him in another year and what he can do before he ultimately heads off to the NFL and makes a lot of money.
0: Connor O'Gara here on the VCSI Hotline. Connor, it's been a year where a lot of expectations for A&M, setbacks with injuries and a couple losses, then a a high after Alabama, Auburn, great week, and then last week, obviously, a, a tough one on the road. How do you categorize this year for the Aggies? So far.
1: Very up and down, man. Like, and I, I'm a victim of this. You know, I, I've been, I I was high on him coming into the year and then I came on, on these airwaves and I talked about how disappointing it is to see Jimbo Fisher get paid all that money and to not have an answer for this offensively. And then I really, and I still like the things that they do defensively. I mean, that's been a, a really a constant for most of the year. And I do think it's easily the best defense that Jimbo Fisher has had there during his time in College Station. But yeah, this is a, a team that has a, a, a definitely a high ceiling, and we've seen that at times. We saw that against Alabama, but at the same time, when you don't have the quarterback situation figured out the way that you would hope, you have these lows. And we we saw it against Mississippi State, that loss looking better now because Mississippi State is apparently just a giant killer, and that's what they're capable of on a given Saturday. But yeah, this is uh, one of those years where I still think you're going to look back and you're going say, man, what if? We, we don't know what Haynes King would have been in this offense, and that's that's probably part of the frustration. But I just liked so many of the pieces, and, and I love Deniah Smith. I love this backfield. I love Weidermeyer. I know he's had his issue with the drops, but I, I just loved so many of the pieces. And I'll, I'll always find myself asking what if they had just had that answer at quarterback? What if Kellen Mond had taken year, uh, advantage of the extra year of eligibility? and been the starter for this team? What could they have been capable of? Could they have gone to a college football playoff? I'll always just kind of have that in the back of my mind. It's a solid season, but it's definitely a season in which you're going to feel like there were some missed opportunities.
0: So this could be the last home game for DeMarvin Leal, Isaiah Spiller, Jalen Wademeyer and, and Kenyon Green. What kind of impact do you expect them to have at the next level?
1: I mean, DeMarvin Leal, is, he's going to be making money in, in a hurry in the NFL, and he's going to be just totally dominating offensive lines. I firmly believe that. I love watching the guy play. I love the versatility. I hope he goes to the right place, and I hope that he goes to a system that's going to allow him to to be able to utilize that versatile skill set that he has. If he's lining inside, line up inside, he's lining up outside. I just hope he goes to a defensive mind who understands how versatile he is and how he's not one of these guys that, oh, you just kind of bring him in as a pass rusher here or there. Like play that guy every down, just do it. That, that is what he is capable of. And I, I think PB has shown that as well. I, I've loved watching this entire defensive line. I, I think that they're, they're just, they're so special. And it's a shame that they're not going to get that national stage, that college football playoff stage, because really they're going to stack up better than a lot of these teams that are in the playoff field. I firmly believe that we'll look back probably maybe five years from now. It'll be one of those teams that we look back on and to a lesser degree because it's trenches play, but we look back on the Alabama receivers, right? And we say, wow, what a, what a great collection of talent that that was that that was there at one time. And, what what great options Tua Loa had to throw the ball to. And we're going to look back, I think, maybe five, six years, seeing these guys, seeing P V seeing Clements, seeing Leal dominate in the NFL, and we're going to say, wow, they, those guys were all on the same team at one time. How did they not win an SEC championship together or something like that? But they're all so ready for the NFL, and I, I think it, it won't be very long before everybody else is realizing that.
0: Connor, obviously Jimbo's off the uh... – the the chessboard you have Mel Tucker off for LSU so who do you think is going to end up being the head coach at LSU next season
1: yeah let's let's go with Dave Aranda this week yeah. <laughs> I don't know man it's uh, it's all over the place it, it really is and I've been wrong about this I, I I've said from the jump that Lane would be the guy that I would go after I would tend to say that Lane's going to stay in Oxford if I'm guessing at this point. And I don't think Lane's going to Miami because I don't think it's 2001 anymore. And a lot of people on Twitter still don't realize that, but that's their problem, not mine. I think that where you're trying to figure out for LSU, what the vision is, is what's the balance between splashy hire and right hire? Because everybody knows, and y'all know it as well as anyone, Scott Woodward, he doesn't care about rejection, right? He's not, he's, he's not the guy who's concerned if Lincoln Riley turns down a $12 million a year offer. But finding the right hire is the key for the next decade of LSU football. And is that Dave Aranda? Is that a guy who had a lot of success there? And is it somebody who is going to know how to recruit in the area, understands the brass, understands the fan base and all those different things? I, I would tend to say that he'd be the favorite in the clubhouse. Is Billy Napier a splashy enough hire? I think that's kind of a, a weird question. But at the same time, I think it's one that's that's worth keeping in mind because Scott Woodward at his alma mater, right? This is the Baton Rouge native. Is he really going to go to the in-state group of five school to make his big time statement Higher, My guess is no. And that's not a slight to Billy Napier, but that's just the nature of the beast and trying to look at context clues of the way that he's gone about his business in the past. So if I had to bet on someone today, I'd go with Dave Aranda, but I've just been wrong with this at so many different turns that my word is probably not very good.
0: Connor, do you think Dan Mullen's
1: going to make it? No, no. 52 points to Samford, man. I was there a few weeks ago in Jacksonville and and watched that Georgia team in in the way that it just took over that football game. And now we hear the leaked audio of what Kirby Smart was saying to that team at halftime when it's 24 to nothing. Dan Mullen, it just is not that guy. He's not. And the more you hear about it from people within the program, the people that I've talked to who have said, look, this has been a, a slow build. And it's been basically it dates back to since the, the Black Lives Matter protests happened and how that team did not respond to what Dan Mullen was was trying to the message that he was trying to preach to them. And there was a divide. And, you know, your, your eyebrows are kind of raised when an assistant like Brian Johnson, who has been Dan Mullen's right hand guy, I he played for him at Utah when Brian Johnson leaves as the first black offensive coordinator in Florida football history to go take the court, the quarterback's job with the Philadelphia Eagles after one year, you're just kind of like, what people don't like working for Dan Mullen. And I think that's what it comes down to. I do think that Florida makes a change at season's end, a $12 million buyout. It's affordable. And I think there's enough momentum within that program right now, especially after seeing Samford put up 52 points in the swamp. Uh, I think Mizzou wins this weekend. I think it just is the beginning of the end for, for Dan Mullen in Gainesville.
0: All right. This is a, a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it where we are today. With all the information we have seen, can Stetson Bennett beat Alabama? And conversely, can Bama beat this Georgia defense?
1: Oh, that's a great two-part question. I like that.
2: Thank you. Thank
1: you. Stetson Bennett can beat Alabama. Okay. He can't because he's playing differently than he did last year. PFF had the numbers. He's the most accurate downfield passer in college football right now. That's passes over 20 yards. When they take those chances downfield, it's there. And he's not afraid to. You can go back to specific instances where it's fourth and five against Mizzou, and he's taken a 40-yard shot to the end zone. That's how confident he is at this point in Todd Munkin's offense. That's the biggest difference between Stetson Bennett now versus Stetson Bennett when he played against Alabama last year. He has developed as a downfield passer. His rapport with these young receivers, the Brock Bowers, the Ladd McConkeys of the world, who have all of a sudden become stars for Georgia, despite the fact that all these guys we were talking about in the preseason, you know, George Pickens and Eric Gilbert, Darnell Washington, Kiaris Jackson even, these guys who really haven't done a whole lot for this team yet, but Stetson Bennett is on the same page with those guys, and it's a little bit reminiscent of a 2015 Jake Coker, a guy who, in Lane Kiffin's system, was able to do exactly what he needed to do, and with all eyes focused on Derrick Henry— Jay Coker was capable of winning games for him. He won that playoff game for them against Michigan State, albeit a very dominant one. But they they continue to go over the top. And I think Stetson Bennett is capable of being that guy for Georgia. I wouldn't have told you that two months ago. I'm fully on board with it. I think they beat Alabama. I I do. I, I think Georgia is the best team in college football. I don't think it's particularly close. I think they win that game on a neutral site, and I don't want to hear about Kirby having these late-game issues against Saban. That's going to be in the back of minds of of many college football fans going into that one. But, yeah, give me Kirby. Give me this Georgia team. They are the force in college football right now, and I think they're heads and shoulders above the competition.
0: That was Connor O'Gara Saturday down south. Connor, thanks, man. We'll talk to you very soon. Appreciate it, man. All right, take care. Connor O'Gara there, Saturday down south on the BCSI Hotline. When we come back here on Texas Ag's radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers, Logan Lee talking some hoops with us. We'll have that and more here uh, on the program. But right now, a moment for the Association of Former Students. Love what they do for us and what they do for the Aggie community, no doubt about that. Uh, They are the oldest organization serving that A&M network, without a doubt, over 140 years. They just give, give, give. But they can't give without you. That is what they do, uh, and you help them. Make it happen, right? There's no doubt about that, and you can do it as simple as becoming a Century Club member. Not expensive. You heard me talk about it for years. I I, I kind of lost touch. I'm back in. I'm all in. Circle of trust, just like Robert De Niro. $100 a year, $9 a month. You're going to get the decal, the plaque, and the Texas Aggie magazine. Plus, you're continuing in the oldest, most inspiring tradition of Aggies helping other Aggies. To learn more about the impact of the association, to make a gift, or get involved, visit AggieNetwork.com slash giving. You Logan Lee in the house. Good morning, Chief What's going on? So, yeah, I apologize. I'm gonna say it out loud. <laughs> I mean, like, we—I had a meeting with you about scheduling. Like, not really a meeting, but we're at the at the at the game against HBU, and, and I, that was a—that was a pretty good meeting. It was a good meeting. We spoke. You know, hey, can you do the show on these days? Can we do this? And how about this time?
2: And we got everything situated. And then
0: nine minutes later. I'm driving. Speak the text.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. I double booked.
0: Logan, no. Can you do this time? Uh, I guess five seconds later. Actually, that doesn't work either. So here you are. Yeah, man. I'm here for you. Well. I am here to support you. I apologize that I had to switch it up. So let's talk about what we've seen from this Aggie basketball team
2: so far. I'll start it off. Defense. That's pretty much what I've seen. <laughs> I, I've seen improvement. Yeah, uh, I think each game that they've 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 played better at both ends of the court. Um, I think their offense struggled in the beginning, in the first couple of games. Uh, they they've gotten better, and maybe it's because the competition wasn't uh, as good. Abilene Christian is actually a, a a pretty good team or a decent team. And uh, they'll probably win their conference, make it to the tournament. Yep. Uh, and so so that was probably their hardest game so far. Um, but I think they've done what they've needed to do so far. Um, no, one, no one thought that they were going to come in here and just be dominating people from, from day one. I think everybody thought it was going to be a learning process. There's going to be a learning curve, and that's what it's been so far. But they've won games. They've, they've handled their opponents, and they've done what they needed to do to get better. Uh, that's all you can ask for at this point, especially with what nine new guys and Buzz not being co- not not coaching for the first two games. Right. I mean, there there are a lot of factors that play into it. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're on track. They they have a better trajectory than I thought they were going to have at this point, and that's a good sign. Yeah, um, we'll see. So I'm going to use this comparison. The basketball team in the few games that I've
0: been able to catch time reminds me of the football team in this respect. They wear you down, and then they find their way to come away with a big lead later. So football team, run, 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 get to the fourth quarter. That's where we see the separation against HBU. The game was maybe a little tighter than I expected, although they were in control. And then in the second half, I mean, they only gave up 39 points in that game. Uh, but it
2: was – first half was like, well, but HBU can go on a run and be right in it. Like 20, 25 of those were in the first half or something right. like that. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. They – they're a team that they need to find their opponent's breaking point. And whether that is 20 minutes into the game and then the second half they dominate, or if that is 15 minutes into the game and then they dominate from there, or if they have to go all the way to 38 minutes or in Abilene Christian's case, a double overtime and the last two minutes of the second overtime is when they warm down, that's what they're going to have to do. And, and... I mean, it was it was no different when when I was playing with Gillespie. Mm-hmm. We had to find other teams' breaking points uh, in the first the first two years. We just we weren't as talented as everybody else in in the Big Twelve, and so we had to wear people down. And that came with defense. That came with rebounding. Um, Buzz's team this year has struggled with rebounding, but I thought they did a much better job against HBU. And HBU is not a good team, but you know when you don't play good teams you have to dominate and you have to show that you know what you're doing and that's exactly what they did it would have been i would have been much more worried had hbu stuck around the entire game and they were just kind of playing with them and letting them stay close and and they didn't do what they did but because they did dominate they did what they were supposed to do it it, it puts them in a better spot both mentally and in preparation for the Maui Invitational. Aaron Cash had himself a little game. Double yeah. double. Sixteen minutes. What have you seen from him? Uh, you know, to be honest, I was I was really down on him before the season even started. Uh, watching watching practice and and talking to a couple of couple of people, he struggled. You know, he he came from the junior college ranks, and you look at his shooting percentage. He was a forty plus percent three point shooter, and so everybody thought, hey this A&M team is getting a shooter from the outside. Right. That's not what he is. He's not. He's, he's a big body. He is strong. He's physical. And when he gets the, his hands on a basketball, no one's taking it from him. And that's why he's been able to grab so many rebounds. Uh, he's, he's come in, and while he's only 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, I think he could be a good backup four-man option for this team because he's physical and he has that determination to go get the ball. It's funny, these
0: guys, I had a perception of what I thought they were going to look like, yep, and then I saw them on TV, but seeing them in person, some of them are not as big as I thought, and they are they fit
2: buzz though, in that they're grinders, yep. like all of them are. every single one of them. you look at Tyrese Radford. I thought he was I thought he had probably an extra two two, three inches on him before I actually saw him on mm-hmm. the court. like, okay. he looks he looks small, but he plays big. Yes, he he plays really big. Henry Coleman. I thought he was going to have an extra two inches. Uh, he's, he's a four-man that a four man all the way. He's not, he is not a five. Uh, he is more towards a three because he can play on the perimeter. He can guard a little on the perimeter. That's a, that's a little impressive for just his stature. I mean, he, he is a specimen. When you look at him and you see him walk on the court, you want him to be the first off the bus. Like, that, that's who he is. But, you know, Javante Brown... He's long. He's he, he looks the part, but he's he's raw. Right. I, didn't, I didn't understand how raw he was as a player. I think he will be good, and, and uh, Buzz and his staff need to coach him up because he, he can be talented. He's just out there right now, though, and he's trying to figure it out.
0: So I'm looking forward to the Maui Classic for a couple reasons. A, the talent that they're going to be taking on is going to be a step up. And, you know, Wisconsin on that Monday, and then... Whatever happens in that next game, it'll either be Butler or the University of Houston. Again, some programs with a little history that have been
2: playing well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wisconsin's going to be a tough one. Wisconsin has, has played good, and, and they, they grind it out too. So that, that's going to be a battle of the wills and, and who can outlast who in, in, in that one. Uh, depending on what happens, obviously it's Butler or Houston. Both of those teams are, are going to pose problems for A&M this this could be a it could be a, a a tournament where they go 1 and 2 it could be a tournament where they go 2 and 1 i don't i don't see them winning all three games but you know with with the way that that buzz has them going they could squeak out three wins yeah but at the same time they could lose the first two games and then face Shamanad and, and or most likely Shamanad right. and and then Win one. Who knows? Like this is this team is nowhere near the finish line. They have a lot of growing, a lot of developing and, and a lot of building on um this core foundation that they have.
0: All sports go through this, but really in basketball, that chemistry takes time. It's not like, you know, you just go out in the yes, NBA players like to make it look like you just get out on the court and you go hoop. But there goes way more into that, knowing where to be, knowing your spots, knowing where your teammates like the ball. I mean, there's so much and then understanding well Buzz is commanding and he's hard on those players during the game. I'm watching him.
2: He's I mean, so there's a lot that they're processing for being UBs. Yeah, they're they're going they're going through the gauntlet right now. Uh not only did they have to go through boot camp and their the tough workouts, preseason workouts, then they have three games in five days, and now they get a little break where Buzz and his staff are probably going to uh mentally prepare them on on the first two days after after that last game, but then right. they're going to get after it because I think they have six days off before their game. So they'll probably those those two days in between they're going to work them really hard. Yep. And then they've got to get ready for Wisconsin. Wisconsin's going to they're physical, so they're going to be sore after that. They're going to have to follow it up with a game against Butler or Houston, and then the next day. So they're going to play three games in a row after that. So it, it's 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 going to be a, a tough little stint, two week stint for this Aggie program. Thank you, Logan. Yeah man, appreciate you man. Right now, talk about heritage
0: films. My buddy Chance McLean, uh, they make docu- documentary films about you, your father, your grandfather, maybe your basketball coach. Like well, that would be a good documentary. You know, Buzz should call up Chance and, and get one done for him. That would be an awesome one, right? Like find out how we got here, right? And and that's what they do, and they do it like A and E. They do it like biography. I think they got a channel, right? Or maybe biographies on A and E, Netflix, where, wherever you watch your documentaries. YouTube, whatever. Chance does it, and he probably does it better because he's just uh, so creative. He's got the staff out there, and it's a long process, eight to ten weeks to get this documentary done. But he's going to do it, and you're going to be like, dude, James Cameron made my documentary. But his name is Chance McLean, and the name of the company is Heritage Films. Go check out yourheritagefilm.com, yourheritagefilm.com, 713-893-8341, 713-893-8341. Welcome back to Texas a Radio. I'm by Dan Gardner. Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. We will get to your text messages on the A.M.B. and text line. Spencer in Denver, I see you. We'll also get to the I Associates hotline right now because we've got to talk to Jamie McCoy here, the former Texas A&M tight end who I think, Jamie, are you sporting a Reveille hat? Is that what I see?
3: Yeah, it's a Reveille hat. I guess y'all can see me. I can't see y'all right now.
0: <laughs> man, I like that hat. That's what's up. Logan saw it. He's like, I think that's Reveille. It, it looks like Reveille. Yeah, it is. That's, that's what's up. Hey, man, so uh, let, let's talk a little bit about what we have seen this season. It has been a season of ups and downs. More ups and downs, but a couple downs with teams that spread you out. Uh, just your thoughts on how things have played out so far for A&M.
3: Um, I guess you could say I'm I'm still optimistic. Uh would have loved for us to get that you know, we kinda controlled our destiny as far as getting to a, a solid bowl game if we could win out. But uh I'm happy with where we're at, especially with the fact that we're pretty much gone through the whole season with a backup quarterback. The defense is finding itself and all of our young guys seem to be buying in and uh fitting into the culture.
0: Yeah, Jamie. So let's let's talk Jalen Waddemeyer for a moment. Who is obviously one of the best tight ends in all of college football, if not the best. Some drops this year, but he has also grown in areas like blocking. What have you seen when you watched him on the tape?
3: Uh, just kind of you said, a few growing pains. I mean, the, his first couple of years, everything just went right. Uh, he was right place, right time with Kellen uh, getting the ball in the right spot. And this year, like you said, with the drops. Um, I'm not, I don't think it's, uh, a skill type deal. I think it's just maybe the, the lack of focus at at, uh, times during the game. I mean, most times it seems that we're either in a tight situation or we're trying to come back from lead. when I, when I see some of the drops, but as far as blocking, um, I'm blanking on the guy's name that comes in for us as well, but all all the Titans have done a good job blocking and getting the running game going. I, I honestly wish we would Stick to the run more than uh, all the passing we've done, but Widemeyer he's he's doing a good job.
0: Jamie McCoy on the uh, BCSI hotline. So when you watch him, what do you think will make him elite at the next level?
3: Uh, really just little things. He's got to command more of himself, especially when you get into the red zone. That's uh that's a little money area, and the more touchdowns you can get, the bigger attraction you're going to be for those NFL scouts. Um, I, I wouldn't say him getting bigger would be do anything because he's already uh, a good size. I mean, he's way bigger than Kyle Pitts, and I saw Kyle Pitts making blocks last night. I think just like I said, attention to detail and focus, and when the ball comes your way, making the play. It, it's okay to have a drop here and there, but you know, uncontested drops are things you want to steer away from.
0: One of the things we're talking about this week with Prairie View coming up and SEC week being what they call Cupcake Week in your games in the past, all right, let's take a look at some of the easier games. How did you guys prepare the starters? And let's also talk about the guys who are going to see some time out there that usually don't.
3: Um, you 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 prepare the same way. I mean, uh, every every week is a nameless, gray face, and you really want to just focus on yourself and make sure that you're doing all the things that that you need to do. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a cupcake week. For me, I think of it more as a get right week. So for us, I would like to see often, real, really all three phases come out, play tough, do what you're supposed to do. You're the better athletes and the better team. I like to see us dominate on the in the trenches. Catching the ball and then um, do well enough that we get, we're able to get some of the young guys in, whether it be the young backs, young receivers, young linebackers, young DBs. Give everybody a chance to get their feet wet just in case to build experience going into the future next year.
0: Jamie, I think everybody has the right intentions, but when you are taking on a team after playing an Ole Miss and knowing LSU is coming up, can can some of the guys' minds, you know, maybe, I don't know, just the is, a different attention to detail perhaps?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you got Thanksgiving around the corner. Uh, you, you think this is a get right game and you already, okay, let's see if we can win this and beat LSU, will be nine and three. Where you start thinking of bowl games and your mind gets to wandering and families around. It's just one of those weeks where you got to stay focused. Um, and really, I, Jimbo is a great coach. I know that he's going to be steadfast on that as far as not, uh, counting the eggs before they hatch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just, Stay focused, stay attention to detail, and do the things the right way.
0: And how about the backups who don't don't normally get a lot of looks and they come in at the end of a huge blowout? Potentially that's going to be the case here. But maybe we'll see some of these guys coming in early in the third quarter as opposed to the last five minutes of the fourth.
3: Yeah. Well, with those guys, uh, really it's it's a matter of being ready for your opportunity. Um You may not get all the looks and and chances to play in these big-time games, whether it be your Ole Miss, LSU, or whatever, but my advice to the younger guys would be know your assignment, know your alignment, and when you get out there, be ready to make a play. Not all times are you going to get the ball thrown your way or be afforded the opportunity to carry the ball, but be ready for the chance. Expect the ball. When you leave the huddle, say, hey, this ball, this pass is coming to me. If you expect it, I think you're more inclined to – be ready to make the, the most of the opportunity when it comes your way.
0: Jamie, how far do you think A&M is away from being a Georgia or an Alabama-level team? We thought this year could have been that year, but you know some things didn't work out, obviously with the injury to Haynes and some of the other injuries.
3: Uh, I, I would say we're really, really dang close, um, and the reason I say that is Like I said earlier, not only have we gone through this season with essentially the backup quarterback and a lot of young guys, but this is the time where we've got to be ready to – what do I say? We've got to be ready to take the next step as far as dominating every time we're on television. Um, I hate the fact that we came, I mean, Arkansas was a good team. They, they beat us outright, but the Mississippi State game, I think we weren't focused and we came out flat and then Ole Miss. We just didn't do things that we needed to. I know that we're close to being really good though, because we're running into those problems that these good teams have where you got so much talent and so much depth that it's getting hard. You, dang it. So and so doesn't get in here or doesn't play stay around are they going to enter the portal when you start getting into that world you know that you're a really good team as far as there's competition everywhere and guys want to play and sometimes you might not get the opportunity and you know that you got to leave so I know we're good because we're there and we got talent we just got to make the most of it and really find out our identity of who we want to be as a team.
0: And you say talent that's leaving for the NFL, but Jimbo's putting together a monster recruiting class, potentially top three, maybe even number one when it's all said and done. Uh, All signs are pointing that the talent, we're just beginning to get that great five, where like four stars are at the end of the list, you know what I'm saying? Like That's where they're getting at.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And you love to see it. I mean, who would have thought we'd be getting the number one defensive player, but I think a lot of these young guys and these recruits are watching the screen. They 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 see it. It's you can kind of almost feel it and see it. It's tangible what Jimbo's doing here at A and M, and with all these young guys buying in and recruiting the way that they have, as far as the the Williams kid, the safety who's going out of his way to try to get more people bought in. I mean, I think the sky's the limit. We're there. We just gotta capitalize and do the things that you those great teams do every week you know, week in, week out.
0: Jamie, let's talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. And, you know, now the games are typically on that Saturday after Thanksgiving. But during your day, I believe you guys actually played on Thanksgiving quite a bit. What are your memories of that?
3: Man, it was fun. Uh, great memories looking back. I remember uh, we obviously we couldn't do the bonfire and things like that. But we do uh, team bonding type stuff, uh, some little – not an actual bonfire, but stuff was burned. Um I remember those days. I remember, uh, really, you you really didn't have a Thanksgiving. You'd have a team meal with the with the guys on the team, whether you in the hotel or whatever, and going out playing the game. Um, I think it'll be great with the way that the SEC is heading to possibly get that game back, and you know, possibly contend with the Cowboys being on Thanksgiving and whatnot. I love to see us go back to those times.
0: Well, yeah, and. I don't know if you're paying attention to what's happening in Austin. I'm like, bring that game on now, baby. I want to see that.
3: Oh yeah, you can't you can't be not paying attention to uh, what's going on in Austin. I mean, it's you rubbernecking. It's like the the wreck that you just got to see what happened and. uh... You know, I'm, I'm I'm loving it. I I love to get in there and swing with them next year, but with, the sooner the better, I guess, in that case.
0: Do you remember, just out of curiosity, did you play all your years on Thanksgiving, or was it sometimes the Friday after? I'm trying to remember that that time in Aggie history.
3: I know a couple of them were on Thanksgiving, but I know I had one or two the day after. Okay. Um, but either way, they 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 all were filled with great memories. I, I mean, I still remember the 12-7. Then we came back 38 to 30 and won at home. It's it's and whether it's a day game or a night game, it really doesn't matter. Just the the fact that outside of you and the team being there at whatever stadium, wherever venue you're playing at, you know that everybody in America is at home. Everybody's off of work. They're at home on the couch eating turkey, doing with that leftovers and whatnot, and they're all focused on you. So it's it's a cool feeling to be a college kid knowing that, hey, it's, it's almost like NBA or NFL Monday night. Like, all eyes in the country are on us, so we got to perform.
0: Jamie, we appreciate it, my friend. Thanks so much. We'll catch up with you and happy Thanksgiving. No problem, You're Happy Thanksgiving to you guys. All right, my friend. Thank you very, very much. I always yeah. love catching up with Mr. McCoy here on the BCSI hotline right now. Milliken Reserve. Love that community, guys. It's in Cobb Station. They got homes, they got trails, they got farms, they got wide open spaces. They want to build a healthy community around nature. And look, I like being healthy. Sorry, I do. I like the, the whole outside living kind of thing. I love veggies, and that's where I go for our veggies, right? Wife went the other day. You know, really, we live in South Colorado Station. It takes like five minutes to get there. In and out, get our veggies fresh. It is so, so good. And that area, when you drive by, you're going to be like, man, I want to live here. 2,600 acres of open space, farms, 30 miles of trails, and homes. They're dedicated to the conservation and the healthy community out there. And they love that native landscape and that wildlife. If you're into hiking, Biking, canoeing, kayaking, equestrian trails, evening yoga, summer camps, music festivals, farmers markets, and farm tours. You can do that, and you can visit it all at Millican Reserve. Millicanreserve.com is the website. Go check them out. Millicanreserve.com. <laughs> all right, guys, time for Rat Bruno Mars has got to play because Richard
4: Zane requested. Huge a- Bruno Mars. Play. I know. You, you like. Got- He's like the next uh, Michael Jackson, right? They say he's like the best performer ever. Next Prince for Michael yeah. Jackson, sure. Yeah. Both like a mixture. I like him. Those are two good musicians. Yeah, I like them. Bruno Mars is just all of them rolled into one. Into one. By the way, this is presented by? Uh, Norman G. State Bank. And they
0: are Norman G. State Bank, which is rock solid. Banking. The website is normgstatebank.com. Gosh, we're so good. We're in sync. See that? Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Beautiful. little pound. We're
4: such dorks.
0: So uh, what do we have going on here in beautiful Aggieland?
4: Okay, I'm going to start with the best thing that happened this week. Uh, it was actually yesterday over at the Hildebrand-Iguan Complex. Number four, Texas A&M taking down number two, Auburn, 10-6, to remain undefeated in SEC play. The Aggies have now won five straight meets. They are on an absolute tear. They're six and one on the year, three and zero in the SEC. Caitlin Lovingfoss was named the Most Outstanding Performer in Fences. Taylor Mason earned Most Outstanding Performer honors in reigning. and Mackenzie Chapman now six and zero on the season in Horsemanship. They're off for a couple weeks. The fall slate's over. Uh, They'll be back on January the 9th when they host Baylor right here in Aggieland. Uh, Moving on, football's got their final home game of the year uh, tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. kickoff against Prairie View A&M Kyle Field. I want to remind you that this game will not be televised on cable. To watch, you're going to need to have the SEC Network Plus, which is available to you if you log in with your cable uh, provider credentials, login, all of that. Is that also on ESPN it's Plus? It's also on ESPN Plus, which yeah. is a paid subscription service. So that's how you're going to have to tune in to watch the Aggies play the Panthers tomorrow. This week, Michael Clemens, Aaron Hansford, and Leon O'Neal Jr. picked up uh, invites to the Reese's Senior Bowl. That will take place uh, beginning February the 5th in uh, Mobile, Alabama. Also on Thursday, Isaiah Spiller named a semifinalist for the two thousand twenty one Earl Campbell Tyler Rose Award, so congrats to congrats to Isaiah. On the Hardwood, Santa Men's basketball defeated Houston Baptist seventy three to thirty nine on Wednesday afternoon. A twenty two to nothing run to open the second half David. Yeah, it was like it was I I told Logan this,
0: and I don't mean it to be like, it, it wasn't a close game at the half, but it was a game at the half. They were
4: up 14 points at yeah. the half, right? And then they were it comfortable. was over. It Done. The first seven, first nine minutes of the half, 22 nothing. It yep. was incredible. Aaron Cash uh, finished with a double-double, 10 points, or 12 points, excuse me, 10 rebounds. Tyrese Radford and Quentin Jackson, 13 points each. The Aggies will travel to Las Vegas to play in the Maui gym Maui Invitational, which is not in Maui. It's in Vegas. Uh, it begins on Monday. They'll face Wisconsin 1 o'clock Central Time on ESPN2. On the women's side of things, they're also 4-0. The number 24 Aggies defeated DePaul on Monday, 95-75. to Jordan Nixon, 25 points. Kayla Wills, 21 points. 12 Aggies saw the court in that one. And then on Thursday, Gary Blair hosted his former team, Stephen F. Austin at Reed Arena. The Aggies won that one, 82-75. Kayla Wells, 24 points in that one. Gadasha Hoppy had 16. Destiny Pitts had 15. And Gary Blair also uh, hosted a ton of his former SFA Lady Jacks players at Reed Arena. And there was actually a pretty good picture of him on Texas A&M Women's Basketball uh Twitter account this week. Oh the uh oh I've got it right here for you. Like it it, it is vintage Gary Blair. Oh look at that. Oh, cool. I I've included it in the story for everybody to check out. It, it was pretty sick. That's of course, he was the head coach at in uh Nacogdoches from 85 to 93. That's so. right. Moving on, men's golf, or excuse me, to wrap up women's basketball, they're playing in Paradise Jam this week in the U.S. Virgin Islands. They'll face Pitt, South Dakota, and Northwestern uh, beginning Thursday, Thanksgiving Day game. How about that? Men's golf, Sam Bennett receiving an exemption to the Dubai Desert Classic. Uh, That'll be played on January 27th through the 30th at uh, the Emirates Golf Club. Swimming and diving is competing in the Art Adamson Invitational. That'll wrap up today. Prelims begin 9.30 this morning. The finals will begin at 5.30 this evening. All of it can be found on SEC Network Plus, so you can stream that. On Wednesday night, volleyball got swept by Arkansas at home. Morgan Christian had a team-high 14 kills. The Aggies will look uh, to get back in the win column on Sunday afternoon. They'll face LSU in Baton Rouge, 1 o'clock first serve, streaming on the SEC Network Plus. And also in the news this week, uh, Texas A&M Softball finalized their... uh, Full schedule. They'll begin their season on uh, February the 11th. They'll host Western Kentucky, A&M Corpus Christi, and UT Arlington in the Aggie Classic at Davis. Look at this. We had a full segment to roll, man. I I don't really know. I didn't know what to do with so much time. It was weird. I know. It's uh, all right. So, thank you very much, Richard. Of course, appreciate your time. I'm go look
0: up that bad bunny song. Yeah, I got it right here for you. Maldita Pobreza. All right. Uh, when we come back, it's the final countdown. Billy will be joining us. You know, Billy Lucci, he's a good guy. He's kind of the executive editor, co owner, blah, blah, blah. And Seth McKinney, also in studio. We will talk about all things Aggies, getting ready for Prayer View, and then, of course, LSU. It is Tech Ags Radio. We are presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ShumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void more prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.